Hey everybody, welcome back to Kicking It in the Second Half, Kish YZ. We have for you podcast episode number 33, calling this The Watchman. Now, this isn't the DC The Watchman. This is The Watchman as far as what I'm seeing right now, some of the things to look out for, to keep an eye on during this NBA season, the 75th anniversary of when the NBA began. So the 75th season of the NBA. And we're going to start this thing off with MVPs, early MVPs. Uh, it's actually a small list because I don't want to get into too many details. We'll work on that later. Right now, just two guys that stand out to me. First guy, Steph Curry. Let's give it up for Steph Curry. This guy is playing at an MVP-like form season, whatever you want to call it. He's already starting the season out with the bang and the way the Warriors have been winning their games. Even if they're down, they're coming back. I mean, he's really ready to go and maybe not getting into the playoffs last year kind of helped him along. He still has that physical statue of his body as far as the stature of his body, as far as, you know, that muscle tone that he put on uh, from last season. And he still has that on him and he's going to be able to take, like I said before, some bumps and bruises more easily than he did with the smaller frame. And he's just already attacking you know, getting the shots from wherever he wants to get it, paint, mid-range, definitely from the three-point uh, anywhere out there and beyond the arc. So it doesn't really matter there. But, I mean, he's doing in, doing all of this damage early on in the season without Klay Thompson. And, obviously, we're expecting him to put up gaudy numbers early in the season with, with Klay being out. But to be honest, I don't see why he couldn't actually keep up these numbers or just improve some of these numbers um, from an efficient standpoint, just because of when Clay returns, one, he's not going to be 100% when he returns for sure, as far as, you know, being up to par to playing 30 plus minutes right off the bat. They're going to acclimate him in very slowly. And then if he does, let's say, get up to par by the time, you know, let's say after All-Star, because I think they're projecting him to be back around Christmas Day games. So two months later or so, let's say he does get into some type of form his conditioning is way better you know this should open up more spacing for Steph Curry to operate which then again will also open up for Draymond Green for those out there who are playing in fantasy leagues you know I look for him to get a few triple doubles in before the end of the season especially when Clay comes back because that gives him more options more spacing to work with as well but for Steph Curry I mean he's already playing in this form the numbers are, are showing the record is showing and Clay returns and by the end of the season opens the floor more, gives them more spacing, not to mention any acclimation of their rookies or James Wiseman returning. I mean, this team is already on a roll. And, you know, is it safe to say that the Warriors are back in business as far as contending? Uh, You know, it's definitely early to tell, but with Curry being the main piece, the main guy and playing at this level, yeah, why not? And why not go ahead and say that, that they're definitely in the mix. But Steph Curry, for one, you know, definitely shooting lights out. And, you know, like I said, he's waiting for Clay, and they're looking like title contenders. Contenders, And right now, for me personally, in fantasy, he's probably the number one or number two fantasy option that you should uh, aim for if you're doing any, like, redraft leagues or having drafted in your league for some reason in fantasy basketball. If you're not taking Jokic, I feel like it's a safe bet to uh, take Curry at the number one or number two spot just for what he can do from – uh, efficiency standpoint 
And not to mention, he's already got a triple-double in the season. He's got a double-double in the season. Those were back-to-back games. The double-double came first, followed by the triple-double, I believe, or vice versa, one or the other. And it's just been crazy already just to see the talent that's on display from this man that we already know what kind of scorer he is, the best scorer, you know, in league history as far as him getting getting his shots off basically whenever he wants. So that that's just amazing to me how he's just starting out. And I just wanted to mention that and, you know, give a shout out to Warriors fans out there and just, you know, it's back. They're, they're back. They, sh- they should have something to root for and, and be excited for that as well. But let's move on. I have the secondary guy that I'm thinking about MVP, and this might be coming um, out of nowhere. And I'm going to say it, Derek Rose. That's, that's the name I want you to picture. I want you to picture Derrick Rose MVP form season, not Derrick Rose right now, because it's not Derrick Rose who I think is going to be having an MVP like season this year. Now he might have a great season personally, as far as how he's been playing over the last years coming off the bench, but I'm talking vintage Derrick Rose, the 2011 MVP Derrick Rose. And this guy nowadays is John Morant. John Moran, if you look at what he's doing so far, if he can keep this level of play up, I'm not sure if he's going to keep consistently, you know, averaging over, you know, 30 points. It's early in the season, just a few games in, but I mean, he was averaging 35. Um, you know, when I wrote this note down, I think it was just a couple games into the season, two or three games into the season. But even still, if, you know, the scoring drops, I mean, his assist rates look great. His um, rebounding is there, but the points are going to come. He's, number one option. He's just crafty with what he can do with the ball when he has, you know, floor spacing and an operation, whether it is slashing all the way to the hole or cutting in and kicking out, or I like what he's doing with the three point range. And I like how his shots looking. And I think he's more confident and he's worked on that over the summer. So he's definitely got the tools in his bag to do so. And, you know, getting some good quality wins and building some type of momentum. So, I mean, we're looking at what I wrote down, what, Derrick Rose did in his season. So we're looking at D Rose MVP season uh, when he won it in the, I think it's the 2010, 2011 NBA season. He was averaging 25 points per game, 7.7 assists, 4.1 rebounds. He had a plus minus of, you know, 6.2 plus 6.2. So very efficient game. But remember back then, I think at the time, that's when LeBron had his first year in Miami and LeBron was probably robbed as a lot of people would say of that MVP award that year, but not to forget where Derek Rose was with the bulls, like how, how the bulls were affected by his play and how, you know, they were strongly making a playoff push and they did for years thereafter leading up to the injury. But, um, you know, he was definitely putting himself out there and he was the reason why the bulls were so great and how everything around him uh, as far as the personnel on the court, the players that were around him just made him that much better. And he was able to operate effectively. And I could see that happening this year with John Morant. Like I said, so far, uh, as of the making of this video, you know, he was averaging 35 points a game, eight assists, 3.7 rebounds, and a plus minus of five. So like I said, will he keep up these numbers? I see that the scoring average is most likely going to drop uh, down into the 20s. If, if he averages 30, I mean, that's a great case for him to get MVP there. If he averages 30, if he makes it to the playoffs for sure, and, you know, they have a pretty decent record, so not just barely making the playoffs, but, you know, 
really having a good record. I know they're during the play-in tournament again, so sometimes in the West, the records are tight regardless. But if he avoids the play-in tournament and he's in the playoffs and he's putting up 30 points per game, I mean, that to me is a, a winning recipe for the uh, MVP trophy there. So keep an eye out for him. I have high hopes for him. Now, we can't, you know, disregard anything that Luka may be doing this season. You know, he's going to constantly get better every season as well. Jokic has already won his first MVP last season. He's going to still be the consistent man we all know him to be. And then you have Giannis, who's going to try to be MVP once more. So you do have other guys out there. And I'm not knocking any of these other guys. I just wanted to do a fresh take on, obviously, Steph Curry, which is kind of obvious, but, you know, he's been out of the MVP race as far as being close in the MVP race outside of last year. Uh, you know, when they got Kevin Durant back, you know, it kind of, you know, watered down his case for MVP. But, you know, he's back in action now. But John Morant is a fresh take, a fresh face that we would like to see, or I would like to see in the MVP conversation for the MVP race this year. Like I say, he has a lot of opportunity a lot of opportunity to do that. And we're talking about uh, Triple J is back. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. He's going to help his case. If Jaron Jackson Jr., the way they have the team structured, he's out there on the perimeter. He's able to do, you know, catch and shoots and space the floor for Jaw. He's not clogging up the paint. This is going to be wonderful, wonderful to help the Grizzlies win as he gets reacclimated into playing at peak performance. He had that injury last year. He was able to come back before the season ended to get some games under his belt, but, you know, full health, you know, this team is still growing, but they have the right tools. Uh, Dylan Brooks is out right now. He's scheduled to be back in a few weeks. He's having a uh, surgery on his hand, but I love his defense. I love what he brought last year on the offensive end. If he's improved his three point shot, then yeah, the Grizzlies definitely have a winning formula. And one big thing, a big key that I've been talking to the guys that work about when it comes to fantasy is what, uh, Steven Adams brings to the table. They swapped out Steven Adams for Valanciunas. So if you're looking at those players, in my opinion, straight up 1v1 as far as what they bring to a fantasy team, obviously Valanciunas is going to bring way more value there. And I would rather take Valanciunas over Steven Adams. But when you're talking about what the Grizzlies did, I think a lot of it came to do with salary, but also scoring options. Having Steven Adams there is the best thing for them in this situation, because in the scenario of having Steven Adams with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., which is what they run in their starting lineup, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. spaces out the floor. He's out there on the perimeter. Steven Adams has the paint to himself, and he's a really big guy. You know, he looks like Aquaman out there. So he gets rebounds, and as far as points production, he basically gets all his points off of, you know, second-chance opportunities, putbacks. So, you know, Jai is going to be able to feed him some occasionally, but he's not going to be looked upon for offensive purposes. He's just there for offensive rebounding and second chance purposes. But you're talking about some nasty screens for John Morant to use to slash in. It's just going to be a beautiful thing to watch. And like I said before, uh, to the guys at work before the season started, when we came talking to fantasy basketball, I was saying that if Steven Adams can play with Russell Westbrook, then he can play with John Morant. I mean, John Morant and Russ, you know, that uh, downhill game that they have, that mentality of taking it to the hole, but needing that big screener there to slither through and split the defense. Like, all of this works. We've seen Steven Adams in this scenario before. Adams was with the Pelicans last year, but that was kind of a, 
I guess a bad experiment. You know, they try to see if it will work. And ultimately, it doesn't work with a player like Zion who likes to be in the paint. And even though Ja likes to drive the paint, he starts outside. His his rhythm and, and production of offense starts at the perimeter. It doesn't start with him catching the ball in the post where Steven Adams would already be located on most scenarios. So this works because, you know, we go back to when Russ won his MVP. And I'm trying to remember, I feel like, that MVP season, maybe 2017. I think it was 2017. Sometime around that, you know, when he won it, he had Steven Adams on this team. And Steven Adams is that guy that, you know, helped Russ do the dirty work, you know, as far as, you know, setting those screens, clearing the, the paint, allowing for the drives, you know, that he brings that same intensity there. I mean, he's a very strong man. And uh, I'd hate to run into one of his screens, like just blindly running. Oh, that's, Ooh, that sounds terrible. It sounds like a migraine, a concussion ready to happen. But yeah, definitely helps this case. And oh, real quick, put in the comments. I want to know y'all's opinion about this because this is how I'm feeling. Does John Morant deserve his own signature shoe? At this point in his career, I mean, the way he's been playing and the way it looks like he will be playing, in my opinion, I feel like he deserves a signature shoe. Uh, right now, I guess he has a contract with Nike, not as a signature athlete, but just one of the or whatever they call it, not an athlete that has his own signature shoe, but an athlete that wears the Nike products. But I feel like somebody needs to pick up this guy whenever this contract is over. Um, but I'm surprised he kind of doesn't already have one in the works. Maybe he does, may, or maybe it will be released if he does have one in the works. But I feel like, you know, you can definitely market this guy because of his own court appeal. And, you know, just seems like a humbling guy as far as in general, you don't hear any controversy about him off the court. And I just love what he brings to the table as far as the intensity, the passion, and how he likes to play and how he's gotten better each season. Like I said, so far, what I've seen is definitely improvement from last season, starting off early in this season. And he's definitely looking more and more like the leader of the team year to year, even though they gave him keys to the team when he was drafted. He's taken on that role in a responsible way. And you could see the, the passion and how he directs you know, the, the traffic of the team. He's out there being a vocal leader, which is what you want uh, from a guy who's going to be, you know, your go-to option as well. So, you know, if Trey Young's getting that, that shoe deal, I think John needs to get that shoe deal as well. They're two totally different type of players, but, you know, bring it on. I'm excited for the season. I'm excited for his season. And um, shout out to your bud 36 as well, because I, I do want to give him a shout out because he was the one that mentioned back, when Ja was drafted and when Zion was drafted, they were in the same draft that he said that Ja Morant will be the more prepared NBA player, the, the more ready NBA player like Zion had the build, but as far as sustainability, that Ja was going to be more NBA ready. And you wouldn't think so because of his smaller frame, but so far, you know, winning rookie of the year, playing more games than Zion, uh, growing his game every year and leading the team like he is, and making an impact on winning. I mean, you know, they've been competing for the playoffs every year he's been in Memphis. So, I mean, point proven. So shout out to your bud 36 on that uh, recognition there. But so that was the MVP talk there. So we're going to move on from the MVP talk and get to the second half of the portion of this episode. And that's just some other lookouts is what I want to mention here. So the lookouts, uh, 
So let's go on the look ups on who's looking up, uh, and that's the Sacramento Kings. I think they're on the rise as far as you know serious uh, play-in tournament contenders. There, I like what they have. I haven't watched a full game yet of theirs, but I do like the dynamic of how they have Tyrese Halliburton starting alongside Darren Fox. You know, Darren Fox brings a lot of speed to the team. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton brings even more playmaking to the team. They still have Buddy Hill, so it'd be interesting to see if they still retain him or if they wind up trading him by the trade deadline, but him coming off the bench, I assume he's accepted that role very well. Still gives him opportunity to score and put up points in bunches. So, you know, he's working with, I'm assuming, one of the guards is still on the court when he comes on there, but, you know, he's going to be a deferred to option as far as playmaking, but um, uh, but he, he definitely scores in bunches. So, I like that. I like what they got there. They're deciding to move on from Marvin Bagley and they're not playing him at all. So I don't know how that's going to help his trade stock. If not, I don't understand this because I feel like this is almost similar to what the Atlanta Hawks did last year when they decided to uh, try to trade John Collins when I, when I thought he was a perfect fit there. Like, yeah, you have Capella, but he's a power forward and he can shoot threes. Like I didn't understand what happened there. I'm assuming maybe that's a team chemistry issue type of thing where they felt like, you know, before we have a rotten apple, let's go ahead and get rid of the worm or, or something like that. I don't know if that's a good metaphor, but uh, that's what I was seeing there as far as what I was thinking, I guess you could say, what happened with that scenario. In this scenario, I'm not sure if it's a chemistry thing or they just feel like, you know what, Bagley is not developing into the talent we want. So let's like not try to focus on giving him minutes and develop and focus more on playoff uh, pushes and play with the guys that we do know works, which is, you know, Richard Holmes or Ricard Holmes, however you pronounce his name and uh, who else they got out there. Can't remember their power forward offhand, but you know, these guys that you, that they are playing that, you know, they're leaving Bagley complete, uh, completely out of the rotation. So I don't know what's going to happen there. He hasn't requested a trade as far as my knowledge yet. And the team hasn't said anything about trying to trade him right now, but I would assume at some point this guy will get traded, but maybe they're still trying to figure out, okay, what are we trading him for? What do we need? Let's see what we have on the court and find out our weaknesses as far as player personnel and go from there before we decide to just ship him off and bring in another player we don't need. So yeah, Sacramento Kings are looking up. So keep an eye out for them and where they might end up. You know, we will steady watch them, especially going into the second half of the season and see if they're definitely looking like a serious playoff or play in tournament type of team. Uh, another thing I want to look at is specifically with LeBron James as a player is um, his three pointers. He has been making a good clip of three pointers and it's looking sharp. That farm is looking good. And may I say that that must have been one of the biggest things he worked on in the offseason. Like we know that LeBron James had developed a three-point shot back in his Miami days. And he slowly has built up more confidence to take more three-pointers. But this thing is looking good. And C.J. McCollum actually tweeted out that that calm app that LeBron James is in the commercial for must be doing wonders for his game that he's going to try to download that and help him with his game. But man, that thing has been looking good. The games that he has played, now he did, does have some type of minor injury with his ankle where a player kind of fell on his leg. I'm not sure if that's the same leg that he got injured uh, last year, but, you know, for precautionary reasons, they don't need LeBron, I guess, playing every game, especially if he's slightly hurt anyway, because this veteran team is built for the playoffs um, 
if they get it together. But those three-pointers that LeBron is making, that is, wow, he, he looks like the best three-point shooter on the team. Uh, even though Anthony Davis, I don't mind his three-pointers. They're, you know, a bit high, but, you know, he gets them in and everything. But LeBron's is, is looking legit. So um, speaking of that, let's go on the lookouts on the downside. And we'll go ahead and lead off, segue into the Lakers chemistry. That, I don't know what you want to call that. A lot of people probably call it trash. I just call it an experiment. Like I said before, what the Lakers are doing here is what's necessary. You got to take the good with the bad. You have veteran guys. You have guys that had different roles in different teams, and you're trying to fit that puzzle piece into a whole new puzzle. You know what I mean? Like you can't take a, a puzzle piece of, of a fall leaf and put it in a picture of, you know, an ocean of, of, of a, you know, a Moby Dick type of scenery or something like it, it's not necessarily going to make the most sense, but you got to try to make this work because after all, they're all puzzle pieces. I feel like I'm just rambling away, but, but yeah, this is something that they're definitely working on and I think they'll get it together. Uh, you know, the easy way to get it together is obviously to figure it out and have things smooth over in their winning games. The hard way to get it figured out is trades. So, you know, the good thing about this whole Lakers chemistry scenario, this hodgepodge of characters is time. Time is on their side as far as right now with it being early in the season. Get all this junk out, out the way early on, you know, sort through this. I say the first couple months, you know, definitely by Christmas, they're going to want to try to look sharp by Christmas. Um, so you might not be the sharpest. Usually, you know, the big turning point is around all-star weekend and they're off after is when you want to make your push and try to win as many games as possible but you definitely want to start sharpening up by Christmas you know that's two months into the season because that only gives you about another two months or less I would say of figuring out what you would need to do as far as trades before the trade deadline so with the Lakers you know just be patient if you're a Lakers fan to take the good with the bad uh, it's just kind of weird how they can be up in the game and then just blow it up. It's just, there's some things that's got to definitely got to change and they got to, got to work on, but the focus should be on improving team chemistry as a whole, being better as a team. And then another team, the Boston Celtics, are, are they going to be this type of team that's going to be on the borderline, uh, borderline of making the playoffs again? I, I think so. The Boston Celtics, I'm disappointed dating back to the last year's um, trade deadline where they did not acquire a big specifically. I don't know if they did or did not pursue Nikola Vucevic. Like, I don't want to keep talking about this, but the Celtics are making me talk about this. Like, I feel like it's their biggest weakness. Now, if you're looking at, you know, stats, Al Horford's doing his thing, but it's Al Horford. You know, you got to take the good with the bad with him. He, you know, he's an age veteran and he's going to miss some time. But, you know, you can also put him in the power forward. Now they got Robert Williams, which is, I think, is an experiment project. But did the Celtics ultimately get any better in the offseason? No, they got Dennis Schroeder and he's coming off the bench. I guess they had Marcus Smart starting. And the inconsistency so far with Jalen Brown has been crazy. Like I'm expecting them to have an all-star type of season and hopefully it makes the all-star game again, but um, definitely got to see some more consistency there. And it's not going to be an easy road for them to even make the playoffs. I mean, the East is getting stronger and stronger over the last couple of years. And these young guys are, are doing it big. I mean, just 
an honorable mention real quick to the Orlando Magic and what they got going on there with their experiment of running two bigs as of so far in the season with um, Mo Bama and Wendell Carter Jr. And then you also have the rising of Cole Anthony, who is a ultra confident guy. I mean, he's just as confident as Trey Young was when he came in the league. And, and you know, somebody's going to make a push here. You know, the Hornets are going to make a push here. I mean, the Celtics, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. Like, Jason Tatum, I'm looking at him to be the next Kobe Bryant. And, you know, taking on that scoring capacity and doing everything he can, he's pretty good-sized dude. He, you know, keeps adding a little bit more muscle every year, year to year. But the Celtics has got to get it together. I, I don't know if this is all a Brad Stevens thing. I feel like it is. And that's kind of who I want to blame for this. So, like I said, maybe they'll have some time to work things through if they got to make some trades. I mean, Robert Williams is a good developmental project, but is that what you really want to be as a developmental team as far as trying to make it out of the East or into the East Eastern Conference playoffs? Uh, you tell me, but and also uh, speaking of which, another team who is on the, the flux of not making the playoffs, the Indiana Pacers don't know what's going on there. Haven't watched their games, but just looking at their record, uh, I don't know. I feel like their pieces that they have should work, should win them games. Like you have defense and Miles Turner gets a lot of blocks. You have uh, basically like a triple-double threat, uh, a guy who can pass and score with Sabonis. Like he can almost do everything that you need as far as that one guy on the team. You have Brogdon, who's a great defender and a playmaker. I mean, I know Levert's hurt, uh, Warren's hurt, no timetable there as far as I know. Uh, they have the, the the rookie, I can't remember his name, Durate, Durate, I'm not sure what it is. Um, I haven't looked up the pronunciation of that. Sorry if I botched that up pretty bad. But you got pieces there to work with. I just don't know what's going on there. And I feel like they might not make the playoffs. So this might be the year where somebody's getting traded. And I think before they talked about Miles Turner being traded. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, that's how it's going to have to be unless they just want to be one of those teams that, you know, we're good, but, you know, we could be better, but we're just not because everybody else is getting better around us. So keep an eye out for them as well. And before I end this segment, because this wraps up this podcast episode um, real quick, whose man is this? Because I tried to do this earlier on uh, when we started doing the podcast and I didn't really do it too much so i'm not sure if anybody remembers any of that but you know that's the thing i say a lot whose man is this it came from a song lyric but whose man is this is a reference of where i think uh like an nba player typically looks like usually a, like a, a rap artist or it could be a, another type of celebrity so on here I, I might try to plug these in on twitter so you can kind of see the images or at least what i'm thinking and some of these aren't super accurate i don't try to force it I just try to, you know, when I see it happen or if I'm looking at a game and the thought just hits me, then it hits me. And that's how it is. So we're going to plug in for the end of this episode. Whose man is this? Lonnie Walker, the fourth, who plays for the San Antonio Spurs. Looks like Michael Che. Did I say that right? Michael Che from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, look that up. I'm going to try to put it on Twitter. I just saw uh, the game the other night with the Spurs. And I, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, when did these start playing? in the NBA. So definitely check that out. And everybody, thank you for kicking it in the second half. Definitely check out our YouTube if you're listening to this on Spotify or anchor.fm. You know, check out our YouTube under the same name, Kish YZ, K-I-S-H space YZ. 
and you know you could see the video of the podcast now i might do some of these podcasts just on the audio only because it takes a lot of time and effort to kind of just do the filming and put it up there but uh i could just record straight onto my phone just to do the audio but we'll see how that goes just to you know get some more podcasts out there while i'm doing the the shoes videos but yeah if you're listening to that on um you know the audio only services you go to our youtube page and catch some of the podcast recordings as well as the uh sneaker videos that we do over there where we do unboxing and reviews and uh, i've been really getting into that a lot so that's kind of cool and that started from the podcast because of nba sneakers and signature uh shoe lines from the athletes and then as well you know like i said hit us up on twitter and you can hit us up on ig as well where i put like some photos of the the clothes and the shoes that i'm wearing and Twitter, I use a lot for like NBA uh, tweets and stuff like that. So you look us up both under the same handle, KishYZ, K-I-S-H underscore YZ. So everybody, thanks again. Peace and love.